0: My name is L. David Hessler and I'm the creator of Bad Notes. I just wanted to thank you so much for listening to the show. The mixtape guest for this week's episode is Mother Black Cat, featuring their song, Breathing Fire. Be sure to check out the rest of their work. And also, be sure to stick around until the very end of this episode to hear a special message about demons from the experts at Orb Industries.
1: In 1996, after nearly two decades spent touring the American Midwest with his heavy metal band star cult guitar hero Orrin Moon disappeared without a trace. Despite dozens of distraught fans, the music industry barely noticed his absence, while law enforcement assumed Moon had simply fled the country or joined a religious commune. For nearly two more decades, the true story went untold. Then, in early 2016, a music journalist for National Independent Radio received an unmarked package that contained over 200 dated microcassettes with a handwritten letter that read, This is the story of Orin Moon. He was an amazing musician, a loving father, and the best demon slayer the world never knew.
0: Notes Created by L. David Hessler Part 9 The severed finger on the grill belonged to a demon named Murmur. Flames licked at the flesh, and the stench of it was like rancid piss poured over a campfire. Don't breathe in too much of that smoke, Alonzo said, covering his own mouth with a handkerchief. I pulled the collar of my t-shirt over my face. He glanced at me, then at the writhing finger. Inhaling the smoke of burnt demon flesh is a one way ticket to insanity, he said. It gets inside your head. I stared past his shoulder at the black bus. Mel sat at the crescent table beside Pony, who watched her as intently as I did. She gripped the headphones and leaned forward. It looked as though she might vomit or start sobbing into her hands. "'When she did neither and only sat there, eyes closed and head bobbing occasionally, "'I turned my attention back to Alonzo. "'She'll... she'll be okay,' he said, "'though the tone of his voice seemed to suggest otherwise, like he doubted it himself. "'But we both knew it was the only thing he could say. "'Best to just ease her into all of this.' "'Sure,' I said.' She's already buried a doppelganger of her own father, discovered a corpse, watched you set a couple cadavers on fire, and listened to a demon's voice. Wouldn't want to get too weird for her too soon. He squeezed the handkerchief tighter against his face and stared at me from over the edge of the fabric. You care about her, don't you? As a friend, I said, she's, she's not into guys. Or, or relationships, really. Love is love, Alonzo said. I'm not talking about you taking her to bed. I'm not talking about romance. I'm asking, do you really care about her? I nodded. Tears threatened to erupt onto my cheeks, and I, I couldn't explain why. So I changed the subject. Where's her dad? I asked him. He took a deep breath, but didn't say anything. I asked him again. Where is he, for real? Alonzo pulled a leather pouch out of his jacket and tossed a pinch of what looked like common table salt onto the fire. It flared and then turned blue. And I realized the finger on the grill wasn't actually burning down. It was simply covered in flames that wouldn't destroy it. Not entirely. Smoke drifted off the squirming monstrosity, but it it didn't burn like a piece of meat should have burned. A layer of flesh peeled away like a spent rose petal, then dissipated in a ball of smoke. But the finger remained. Orin's on the other side, Alonzo said. In their realm. Whose realm? I asked. His head tilted forward and those mismatched eyes flickered in the firelight. Orin Moon is trapped in a place he always called The Far. Folks in the night crowd have always told tales about the hellish things that happen in that realm. He went there once, when we were younger. And he promised us all that he'd never go back. Alonzo poured more of the grains onto the fire. He broke that promise like all the others. I heard Mel cry out, and when I tried to move, Alonzo stopped me. She needs to hear what's on that tape, he said. His hand was like a bear paw pressing against my chest, moving me backwards with almost no effort. He made me sit on a metal bench about five feet from the grill and then took a seat next to me what is the night crowd i asked him he pulled the handkerchief away from his face smiled and then gazed at the overcast sky it's all the things that go bump in the night boy everything that humanity's ever feared or or misunderstood belongs in the night crowd monsters and mayhem music sex everything It was strange that he seemed so much more comfortable saying these things to me, practically a stranger, but he couldn't bring himself to explain any of this to Mel directly. It reminded me of a sitcom uncle who's afraid to talk about anything substantial with his growing niece. Alonzo wanted to help Mel, but he didn't want to expose her to his world. Our world, I guess. The night crowd is, it's like a flip side to reality, Alonzo said. All the clubs, the bars, every hole in the wall venue we ever played, they were all run by the night crowd. They have an economy, a culture like humans do, and sometimes members of their society go AWOL, just like humans. Oren was like a bounty hunter for them. Probably the best. You're trying to tell me that he hunted monsters all those years he was playing music with you? I'm telling you, we all did, Alonzo said. Me, Pony, Orin, Hannah, Shade, Slug. We were all a part of it together. And the tours? All the time on the road, traveling from bar to bar, it was just a ruse, a cover for your real job. One was a passion. The other was a calling. It gets harder and harder to tell the two apart. I considered this for several moments. There were so many questions and of everything churning through my mind, all I could think to ask him was how long it would take for the finger to burn. You noticed that too, he asked. I nodded. He did the same, then glared at the ground between his feet. It's not burning because the host's body is close. Without looking at me, he said, We're about to have a visit. We listened to the wind carry leaves along the ground. They scraped across the rest stop's parking lot and disappeared into the growing dark. It's the one named Murmur, isn't it? He nodded and pointed at the trees beyond the grill, near the edge of the rest area's lawn. There was nothing but shadows, black and oblong shapes that blended into everything else. Just shadows. Murmur is a trickster he said it comes hidden in the sounds of everyday life the rustling of a grocery bag caught in the wind the monotonous scraping of a tin roof on top of a barn and its favorite a single dry leaf crawling along the moonlit pavement i was suddenly aware of every sound that filled the night air All these days later, I can't help but think that maybe Alonzo was training me. He knew what he was doing in those final moments before everything changed again. He'd actually planned everything for us. Pain and agony be damned. He planned the whole damn thing. Go to the bus now, he said. The command came out of nowhere, and I couldn't process what he was telling me to do. My mouth fell open like there was something I might need to say. Alonzo gripped me by the shoulder. Tell Pony I'm going to the far. He'll know what to do. What? Did you inhale too much of that smoke? What are you talking about? I'm giving myself up, he said, leaning closer and whispering into my ear. Buying time for Mel for Orin for you. I glanced at the tree line again, and and I saw this slender figure in the shadows. Too tall and disproportionate to be a human, all angles and, and dangling limbs. Maybe it was the lack of light, but My eyes couldn't quite focus on the damn thing. It just stood there in the dark, arms at its sides, its large, bulbous head cocked to the right. Go, Alonzo said. While she's listening to the tape, she won't hear anything. He gave me one last squeeze on the shoulder and then winked. Welcome to the night crowd. Thanks for listening to Bad Notes by me, L. David Hessler. You can find more of my fiction at ldavidhessler.com. This week's mixtape guest is Mother Black Cat and their song, Breathing Fire. Check out more of their work at motherblackcat.com or facebook.com slash motherblackcat. The voice of the national independent radio announcer is provided by Adam Martins, my partner in crime fighting at the B-Mega podcast, where we make new superheroes every month. Listen to new episodes at megatoncitynews.com. You've made it this far, which means you're ready to hear a very special message about creatures of the dark. Brought to you by Orb Industries. As of this recording, the Orb Industries archive of paranormal oddities can only verify the existence of three mimicking demons. The first is called Bellow. It travels in storms and pretends to howl like the wind until it finds its prey. Bellow was captured by Orin Moon in 1989. Its black soul will live the rest of eternity in an enchanted bell jar that sits on the top shelf of a monk's private bookcase in Tibet. When that monk eventually dies, the bell jar will be passed on to another, and so on until the end of all things. The second mimicking demon is known only as Cry. It sneaks into the homes of unsuspecting victims by hiding within the creaks, squeaks, and moans of aging architecture. Orin Moon locked the demon cry in a cursed puzzle box that now sits on permanent display in an antique store in Wichita, Kansas. That store is owned by a coven of witches who swore to never open the puzzle box again. But the third mimicking demon? It was captured by Orin Moon once in 1986. Its name was Murmur, and it escaped. This information was brought to you by Orb Industries, keeping track of the undead so you don't have to.